Genesis chapter 5 today, we're going to conclude the series that we have been in on who are we walking with, and uh, just before we share that, let me just share a thank you to all who have participated with us over the last 21 days in this season of prayer and fasting that we've been in, and God bless you for your obedience. We've already begun to see God doing work in people's lives and testimonies of the Lord uh, drawing us closer to Him, I, I believe, um, and we've taught on this, so you can go back uh, a month ago to the message that we taught on fasting, but it might not be as intense as the last 21 days, but we do believe if we're going to be followers of Jesus, fasting won't be a once-a-year thing. Fasting won't just be when the church calls for a fast or when the pastor calls for a fast, but we all need to be praying about how the Lord would lead us into fasting being a regular part of our walk with Jesus. And uh, for my part, I'm going to be fasting on Wednesdays until the evening meal. That's just going to be a time. So for some, it might be that one day a week you'd take a certain item or you'll take a certain meal once a week. Or even if it's, even if it's once a month, you'll fast a certain meal and take that time to focus on the Lord. Deny yourself. Of, of, of the physical, to feed yourself and fill yourself with the spiritual and just open yourself up. We find that when we fast, that our spirits are open and more sensitive to the voice of the Lord and the voice of the Holy Spirit, His leading, guiding, directing. The scriptures are clear that there are some things that don't happen with fasting. When the disciples could not take care of a need and Jesus came and He said, this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting, then Jesus was able to do it he didn't do it because he was the son of God. He did it because fasting had been a regular part. So when somebody has a need, we can't always just say, hold that and let me fast for about a week. <laughs> Sometimes the need can't wait a week. And that was the story that took place in the book of Mark. So we need to be ready to minister to folks. So I just encourage you as we've concluded this 21-day season of prayer and fasting to start the year as we do every year. Pray and commit to how you can make fasting a regular discipline in your walk with God. And in a few months, uh, in a few months or so, in my Wednesday night group, we're going to actually be talking more about fasting and how it can be a regular discipline in our following Jesus and becoming more and more like him. So we are in Genesis chapter 5 today, the final message in this series, Who Are We Walking With? We're going to start a new series next week called The Mystery and the Masterpiece. I would encourage you very strongly to be with us faithfully in the next couple of months. It's a, it's a powerful series of teachings we're going to be sharing over the next couple of months. But we're concluding this series today, and the scriptures have been leading us to ask this question, who are we walking with? And a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the story of Cain and Abel. And we saw how the story of Cain and Abel gives us hope when we're dealing with anger. So if you missed that message, go back just two weeks ago and that message will help you. We, we dealt with issues that cause anger in our lives. We talked about where anger can take us. And we also gave the answer for the anger problem. So make sure you've made that message a part of your life. And then last week... In the message, we began to look at the story of this man by the name of Enoch. And I'm just going to read a few verses today uh, from Genesis chapter 5. When Jared was 162 years old, he became the father of Enoch. After the birth of Enoch, Jared lived another 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Jared lived 962 years, and then he died. When Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. 
After the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in close fellowship with God for another 300 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Enoch lived 365 years, walking in close fellowship with God, and then one day he disappeared because God took him. Verse 24 in the message says it this way, Enoch walked steadily with God, and then one day he was simply gone. God took him. Enoch walked steadily with God, and then one day he was simply gone. God took him. Father, I pray today that you would teach us how to walk steadily with you. Let our hearts and our minds be open to the words of the Holy Spirit today. Not, not my words, Lord, but your words. Speak through me, I pray. Let us hear what you have to say to us so that we too can walk steadily with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So what does it mean to walk with God? What will happen What will happen when we walk steadily with God? And we started to answer that question last week. We said that we need to walk in holiness. Holiness is a gift from God. Then we maintain that gift from God. We don't become holy by striving. We don't become holy by trying. We don't become holy by our effort. We receive forgiveness and cleansing and our past is gone and we receive holiness as a gift from God. Then we learn how to walk in that gift of holiness we learn how to overcome temptations we learn the difference between what is holy and what is not holy and then as we concluded the message last week we began to talk about how we need to walk in faith so walking steadily with God involves walking in holiness and it involves walking in faith Hebrews chapter 11 verse 5 and 6 says it was by faith that Enoch so here Enoch is mentioned in the New Testament from the book of Genesis then he's mentioning it all the way in the back of the New Testament it was by faith By faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. The writer to the Hebrews is quoting the story in Genesis. For before Enoch was taken up, before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. He was already, he had that reputation. People knew that. That guy, that guy pleases God. That guy walks with God. And it is impossible, the book of Hebrews says, To please God without faith. So if we're going to walk with God, we're going to walk in holiness, we're going to walk in faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So faith begins in believing in the existence of God. And that's where we let off last week and we're going to pick up this week. Faith also believes that God rewards So if we're going to walk steadily with God, we're going to walk in holiness, we're going to walk in faith, faith begins, begins, and God gives to each one a measure of faith, so God's already given us the start we need. He's given everybody, the book of Romans says, a measure of faith. So we begin by believing in the existence of God, and then we believe that God rewards. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 11, by His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Isn't that awesome? You've already got everything you need to live a godly life. He's given it to you. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promise. Hallelujah. He's given us everything we need to live a godly life. He's given us great and precious promises 
These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature, becoming like him, and escape the world's corruptions caused by human desires. How do we escape the corruption of the world all around us? We walk with God. We walk in holiness. We walk in faith. We receive the promises that he's given us. In view of all of this, now here's where our part comes in. God's already given us all of this stuff. He's given us holiness. He's given us faith. He's given us great and precious promises. He's given us everything we need to live a godly life. So in view of all this, now we make every effort to respond to God's promises. What are we going to do with the gifts he's given us? We're going to build on them. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith. Supplement that that measure, that gift of faith he's already given you with a generous provision of moral excellence. In other words, he's given you the faith. Now live right. Live morally. And then moral excellence with knowledge. Study the word of God. Listen to the word of God. And then, and then knowledge with self-control. You say, that's a tough one. Yeah, but self-control is a part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. If we just yield to the Holy Spirit, let the Holy Spirit control our lives, he'll produce this fruit in us. Plus, we're already building on the other things, the knowledge and now self-control, then with patient endurance, and patience endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, loving one another, and brotherly affection with love for everybody. Not just loving those around here, but loving everybody. And then Peter says, the more you grow like this, the more you grow like this, the more productive you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The more we grow in these attributes, making every effort to add to our faith, self-control and endurance and knowledge and all of these things, we're going to be more useful in our walk with the Lord. But those who fail to develop in this way, if all you do is receive the gift of faith and stop there, and you don't, you don't build on it, you don't grow, you don't try to develop your spiritual life, you're short-sighted, Peter says. Those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed of their old sins. You see, if you don't, if you don't build onto this faith, and if you don't add these characteristics to that faith, you'll eventually get to the point where you forgot that he forgave you of your sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance. Woo! God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't know what all that means, but it sounds good to me. I mean, I'd like to get a grand entrance into the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm going to work at this so I can get that grand entrance. You know, I don't know what it is, but I'm looking forward to whatever. What is Peter telling us? Peter is telling us how to walk steadily with God. Enoch started it, and now Peter's developing it. Peter is fleshing it out. Peter is telling us how to walk steadily with God. Peter is telling us how to do what Enoch did. It's not enough to just look at Enoch. Oh, look at Enoch. Enoch, well, that's something else. He just walked so close to God. He disappeared, didn't see death, didn't have to walk through the valley of the shadow. Just went in the presence of God. Wow, Enoch and Elijah, they're the only ones who really did that. How did they do that? Peter tells us. Peter tells us how to do what Enoch did. How to walk with God in faith. And he's telling us that our faith grows and ultimately it grows. See, this is what I love. The word of God is practical. It's not just ethereal, mystical stuff out there that we can't really comprehend and understand. Peter gets down into the nitty-gritty of how do we walk with God the way Enoch walked with God. 
ultimately it grows into love. First Peter 1 7 says this is the end of it. You build onto your faith, moral excellence and knowledge and self-control, etc., etc. And eventually you're building up to godliness with brotherly affection. If you build these characteristics that Peter lists into your life, you develop these characteristics into your life, you're going to be godly. And there's going to be a tremendous love for one another and you will even get past the point where all you love is other believers you'll love other people too (laughs) you see that's the problem with a lot of church people we love one another but we don't love everybody else right but peter says if we're going to walk steadily with god like enoch did we'll we'll build all of this up so that we're not just loving one another we're loving everybody imagine this folks imagine this the greatest culmination of faith is not a miracle The greatest result of faith is not a healing. The greatest result of faith is not not getting more money or more things or more stuff or prosperity. The The greatest culmination of faith is love. The greatest result of faith is love. Our faith must build into love. Jesus said in John 13, 35, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. This is what our faith grows into. That's the ultimate witness. That's the ultimate result of walking with God. The ultimate result of walking with God the way Enoch walked with God is others will come to know him as well. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Don't give up on building those characteristics that Peter was talking about. Don't give up on building them into love until you not only have love for your brothers and sisters, but you have love with everybody. So, so Paul in Galatians is talking about rewards. We will reap what we sow. We'll reap what we sow. You, you want to be loved? Love somebody. You love, you'll reap love. You give, it'll be given back to you. You sow stinginess, stinginess will be given back to you. You sow crankiness, crankiness will be given back to you. But you sow blessings and blessings will be given back to you. And so the greatest rewards come with great faith. And and great faith comes by walking steadily with God. So how do we walk steadily with God? We walk in holiness. We walk in faith. Third, we walk with prophetic insight. And yes, you can do this. This is not just for a select few. You can walk with prophetic insight. Now, we're going to go to the little book of Jude. The little book of Jude is, is a letter written by Jude. A guy named Jude wrote this. It's only a one-chapter book. It's at the very end. It's right before Revelation. We hardly ever look at it for some reason. It's got some little strange and weird stuff in the book of Jude, and that might be why we don't touch on it all the time. But Jude brings up Enoch again. So we've only got this little bit about Enoch in Genesis chapter 5, and then we get a little bit more about Enoch in Hebrews 11, and now we get a little bit more about Enoch in this book of Jude, the letter from Jude to the churches, verses 14 and 15. Enoch, who lived in the seventh generation after Adam, so he was only in the seventh generation of the human race, 
prophesied about these people. So Enoch prophesied. Enoch walked steadily with God, and he prophesied. He had prophetic insight. He said, listen, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the world. He will convict every person of all the ungodly things they have done and for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about what he said there in a minute, but first I want you to know God wants to speak to you. Enoch is given to us as an example of how to walk steadily with God. And if we'll pursue a steady walk with God, he will talk to you too. You'll not only walk in holiness, you'll not only have your faith build into love for everybody, you will begin to hear the voice of the Spirit to you. You'll have prophetic insight. God wants to reveal his word to you. God has given each of us the Holy Spirit. If we've accepted Jesus as our Savior, ask him to forgive us of our sins, the Holy Spirit has come into our lives, and you have the voice of the Holy Spirit within you. Sometimes we just have to stop and listen. We can spend time with the Holy Spirit. We can listen to him. We can hear his voice. We can know his plans. But a sensitivity to the voice of God comes from spending time with him. You can't be distracted by everything else in this world. You can't be pursuing everything in this world. You've got to shut everything else out. You've got to spend some time getting alone, getting quiet, reading and praying through the word of God. When we walk steadily with God, we will gain an insight into what the Holy Spirit is saying. We will experience what the prophets have experienced before. We will begin to understand what the prophets have said, and we will begin to have a greater understanding of the scriptures when we walk steadily with god we'll also be able to identify false teaching when you walk steadily with god you'll be able to identify false teaching and not be misled you see this is what this whole book of jude is about this little tiny book at the end of the bible right before revelation it is a warning against false teachers in the very earliest days of the church, before the Bible was even finished being written, there were false teachers. The devil was sending people in, into the church, to teach things that were false, to pull people away from truly walking with Jesus. And so Jude, in verse 4, he says, some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches. Saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. Hey, <laughs> God's so good and awesome, and he just forgives us of everything, so just go ahead and do everything. Problem is, you reap what you sow. Remember that part of it? They're, they're, they're worming their way into your churches. They're saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Jude is exposing false teaching. And he's talking about how Enoch had prophetic insight. If we walk steadily with God, we're going to have the same kind of sensitivity to the Spirit. You will know if a teacher says something that's false or not. You won't be duped. You won't be deceived. The church in America needs this today. Go down to verses 10 through 13 of this little book. But these people, the false teachers, they scoff at things they do not understand. Like unthinking animals, they do whatever their instincts tell them. And so they bring about their own destruction. 
what sorrow awaits them, for they follow in the footsteps of Cain. Okay, he's comparing, he's comparing false teachers in the church, guys in the church, women in the church, men in the church, who do not teach the truth but are misleading and teaching things that are false and leading people astray. He compares them with Cain. He compares false teaching with murder. They, they, they follow in the footsteps of Cain who killed his brother. And like Balaam, they deceive people for money. Okay, let's stop and remember who Balaam was. Balaam, Balaam lived during the time when Moses, in the 40-year period when Moses was taking the children of Israel, brought, brought them out of slavery in Egypt and was taking them into the promised land. They were going through this particular territory. And the leader of this particular territory called Balaam, because Balaam was known to be a prophet, he called Balaam to stand up on a hillside. And, uh, and, and he wanted Balaam to curse. Balaam was the one whose donkey tried to get him. God, God used an angel to try to get Balaam's donkey to stop Balaam from going and meeting with this king because this king wanted to curse the people of God and destroy the people of God. Finally, the Lord opened the donkey's mouth and the donkey said, what are you doing beating me? I'm trying to save your life. That was quite an experience. So, so Balaam finally goes ahead anyway and he gets there and he finds out every time he stands up, he stands up and he can't speak words of curse, he speaks words of blessing. Well, the king's getting mad. He's brought this guy in to pay him off to speak curses, not blessings. So they go to another place. Same thing happens. He speaks blessing. Goes to another place. He speaks blessing. Ba so you say, what's the problem? What's the big deal? Why, why is Balaam here an example of the bad guys? Why is Balaam an example of the false teaching? Because when Balaam found that he could not speak curses over the people, but he could only speak blessings, Balaam said, look, I, I, I can't speak curses over these people. But he said, I'll tell you. I'll tell you how to get them. And he, he didn't speak the curse over the people, but he told the king how the people could be deceived and how they could be trapped and how they could be enticed into sin. And Jude says the false teachers in the church follow the footsteps of Cain who killed their brother, killed his brother like Balaam. They deceive people for money. So false teachers are coming in to deceive the people of God and harm the people of God. And like Korah, they perish in their rebellion. Korah was one who led a rebellion, led a bunch of people in rebellion against Moses during that same period of time. And God killed them all and wiped them all out. And, and, and Jude is saying, hey, hey, these false teachers, they're going to be destroyed just like these other guys were. They're walking in the footsteps of some of the worst people in the history of the world. But you can walk in the footsteps of Enoch and you can walk in the footsteps of Jesus. When these people eat with you in their fellowship meals, that's talking about, you know, they, did, they didn't, when they had communion in the early church, they didn't just have a little tiny piece of bread and a little sip of juice. They had a whole meal. It was a big love feast fellowship meal. And, and they took a spot in the meal and they passed bread around and they passed wine around and they remembered the body and blood of the Lord. He says, these people are worming their way into your church. They're bringing false teaching. They're going to take you away from the truth of the word of God. They're going to take you away from walking with God. They're eating with you in your fellowship meals, commemorating the Lord's love. But they're like dangerous reefs that can shipwreck you. They're like shameless shepherds who care only for themselves. They're like clouds blowing over the land without giving any rain. They're like trees in autumn that are doubly dead, for they bear no fruit, and they've been pulled up by the roots. They're like wild waves of the sea, churning up the foam of their shameful deeds. They're wandering stars doomed forever to blackest darkness. Why am I bringing all this up? Because Jude says Enoch prophesied about these men. Enoch prophesied about false teachers coming into the church. Stop and think about this. Enoch was only seven generations from Adam. 
He's only seven generations from Adam. I mean, he's like way, way, way back there in the beginning. He is before the flood. But before the flood, Enoch was prophesying about false teachers who would come into the church and lead people astray. That's pretty prophetic, I would say. But what are we saying? We're saying that we can have the same kind of prophetic insight Enoch had. Don't go, oh, wow, boy, now that you put it that way, Pastor Randy, Enoch's like the greatest prophet ever recorded in the history of the Bible. Yeah, but before I brought that up with Enoch, you thought Elijah was one of the greatest, didn't you? But remember the Bible said Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. Elijah was human just like us. What's the message? The message is like Enoch, like Elijah, like Isaiah, like Jeremiah. If you walk steadily with God, you will have the same spirit within you. You will hear the same voice of the Holy Spirit within you. You can be led on Monday and Tuesday just as powerfully as you feel the Holy Spirit when you're standing in here worshiping on a Sunday morning. That's the message. That's the message. If we walk steadily with God, he's going to give us this prophetic insight. And there were already a number of people. Think about this. When Enoch, only seven generations from creation, only seven generations from Adam, there were already a number of people who were living far from God. While Enoch was walking so close to God. You see, this is to be the difference between us and those who don't walk with God. You see, there was the line of Cain and there was the line of Seth. God gave Adam and Eve another, another son named Seth after, after Cain killed Abel. And the Bible says, when Seth came, then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. So you got men that are living their lives following in the ungodly ways of Cain. You got men that are living their lives following in the ways of Seth. At the very beginning, only one generation after Adam. And it begins and it builds from generation to generation until the time of Enoch. You've got a group of people who are following after the way of Cain. And you've got a group of people following after the godly ways of Seth but but only seven generations from Adam in the time of Enoch there are way more people already following in the ways of Cain than were following in the ways of Seth but in Enoch godliness attained its highest point there was another guy who was seven from Adam Lamech we talked about him a couple weeks ago remember Lamech he was the seventh from Adam, just like Enoch was, except Lamech came from the line of Cain. And in Lamech was the ultimate results of ungodliness. Genesis chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. Lamech comes home to his wives and says, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. And i got to tell you again, I've told you this before, but it's, 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 it's so obvious and simple and plain why polygamy is wrong. Jesus said, no man can serve two masters, okay? So that's, that settles that right there. One, one day, Lamech said to his wives, just being practical here, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. Listen to me, you wives of Lamech. I have killed a man who attacked me. Hi, honey, I'm home. Oh, how'd your day go, honey? Great, I killed two people today. I know you've gone home sometime and felt like that after a day at work, maybe, but. He said, I did it. I killed a man who attacked me, a young man who wounded me. If someone who kills Cain is punished seven times, then one who kills me will be punished 77 times. What is happening here? What's this story about? Lamech is now presuming upon the grace of God. 
Lamech's like the false teachers that Enoch spoke against saying these people think they can do anything and just do whatever they want to do without remorse, without repentance, and God's grace will cover it no matter what. Because God showed grace to Cain, Lamech is now believing that he can do anything he wants, he can get away with it, he thinks God will protect him even in his sin. That's another form of false teaching that Enoch understood was wrong and he spoke against. And this is what Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 6. Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace of course not so enoch spoke out in love against people like amich he had to warn about the judgment of god because he walked steadily with god and he had to warn others from being led astray god wants all of us to walk with him he wants all of us to receive the rewards he has for us so we must lovingly warn when people are on the wrong track Going back to Jude again, verses 14 and 15. Enoch, who lived in the seventh generation after Adam, prophesied about these people. He said, listen, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the world. He will convict every person of all the ungodly things they have done and for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. You must respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit regarding your sin now or else you will be convicted on the day of judgment. So this is a warning in love from those who walk steadily with God. If we walk steadily with God, we will know this and we will live our lives in righteousness accordingly. In just a couple more generations, God would be fed up with all those in the world choosing to spurn his love and grace and he would refuse them. And so he sent the flood in the days of Noah. God fulfilled what he said to Enoch and through Enoch and he came in judgment. And that's a foreshadowing of what is to come. Enoch said, the Lord's coming, the Lord's coming. The Lord's coming in judgment. Now, we think about the coming of the Lord, and it causes a lot of us to rejoice. John chapter 14, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything's ready, I'll come and get you so that you'll always be with me where I am, and you know the way to where I'm going. That's what a lot of us think about when we think about the coming of the Lord. Sometimes we think about the apostle Paul when he said, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep in death, but we shall all be changed in a moment at the trumpet call of God. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall rise and shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And some of us, we think about the coming of the Lord, and we think about what John the Apostle said. He said, Beloved, now it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know when he shall appear we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is but Enoch's prophecy is that God is coming in judgment when the Lord comes to this earth again he is going to come in judgment on those who are not walking with him Revelation chapter 19 John said I saw heaven open and a white horse was standing there and its rider was named faithful and true for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and a name was written on him that no one understood except himself. And he wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. This is Jesus. John said, the armies of heaven, dressed in finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations, 
He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God the Almighty like juice flowing from a wine press. And that's a picture of blood. That's a picture of blood on the robes of Jesus who's going to come and judge those who are not following him. And Enoch prophesied about this. He warned about this. And if we're going to walk with God like Enoch, we're not just going to walk in holiness. We're not just going to walk in faith. We're going to walk in prophetic insight. We're going to know the times and we're going to issue loving warnings. We're talking about relationship, not just confession, but relationship. We must be walking steadily in a relationship with God. Take your confession of faith into a relationship. Take your confession of sins into a relationship through Jesus who paid the penalty for our sins. He said he, said he wouldn't destroy the earth again by flood, but he didn't say anything about sword or fire. People who refuse to walk with God will be judged by this sword of Revelation chapter 19. And the world will be judged by fire. And then it will be renewed by fire. And then it will be restored into something completely different and new where those who walk steadily with Jesus like Enoch will be back living with him like Adam and Eve originally did in the Garden of Eden. But we are living in a time where people's hearts have become very hard. Second Timothy chapter 3. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. They're the kind who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings, but they're never able to understand the truth. These teachers oppose the truth. They've depraved minds and a counterfeit faith but they won't get away with this for long. Someday everyone will recognize what fools they are. If that does not describe our time, I don't know what would. And Enoch, Enoch lived in an ungodly generation also. Enoch lived among ungodly people just as we do today. So we must walk steadily with God like Enoch did if we're going to have an understanding of what the Spirit says, if we're going to have an understanding of what the Scriptures say, and be able to give this same loving warning to the world that Enoch did. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. That's joy for those of us who believe, but it is going to be a fearful thing for those who refuse to believe. There's an old song we used to sing in church when I was growing up. It said, there's a great day coming. A great day coming. There's a great day coming by and by when the saints and the sinners shall be parted right and left. Are you ready for that day to come? There's a bright day coming. A bright day coming. There's a bright day coming by and by. But the brightness shall only come to those that love the Lord. Are you ready for that day to come? There's a sad day coming. A sad day coming. There's a sad day coming by and by when the sinner shall hear his doom depart. I knew you not. Are you ready for that day to come? Are you ready? Are you ready? 
Are you ready for the judgment day? Walk steadily with God and the Holy Spirit will begin to teach you the scriptures. John 14, 26, when the father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything, will remind you of everything I have told you. So this is what we need to do, folks. We need to learn to walk steadily with God like Enoch did. We could be those who have our names added to those of Enoch and Elijah. He said, that's just Enoch and Elijah. That's just Enoch and Elijah. Those are the only two in the history of the world, the thousands of years of the history of the world. Those are the only two who went and didn't see death. But the Bible tells us there's going to be another group. There's going to be another group that gets caught up like Enoch and Elijah that doesn't see death. First Thessalonians chapter four, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up like Enoch and Elijah. Caught up to be in the presence of the Lord forever. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Yes, folks, we can we can go like Enoch went. We can go like Elijah went. But if we're not if we're not those who will have our names added to the names of Enoch and Elijah, if we're not caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, if we are not to remain and be alive when Jesus comes back, even our death will only be a circumstance in our walk with God. If we walk with God as Enoch walked with God, death will only be a shadow. And the Bible says in Psalm 23 that Jesus himself comes and escorts us through that shadow. So here's the deal. You can't lose. When you walk steadily with God, you can't lose. You're either going to have Jesus personally escort you to a shadow where you need not fear. Or you're going to be pulled up just like Enoch and Elijah. Can't lose. This is awesome. The only way we can lose is if we reject his grace. The only way we can lose is if we're deceived by false teaching. But if we walk steadily with God, we'll be able to say with the Apostle Paul, Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? So I want to walk steadily with God. I want you to walk steadily with God. Just, just a few verses about Enoch, but they teach us so much. Let's walk in holiness. Let's walk in faith. Let's walk in prophetic insights, understanding the scripture, hearing from the Holy Spirit, living like Jesus. And our lives will draw others to him. Our lives will draw others to his joy. Our lives will draw others to his life. And our lives will draw others to his love. Don't you want that? Don't you want to walk with God in such a way that others will say, hey, I want that. I want that. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we love you. We thank you so much, Lord, for giving us the example of Enoch. Lord, we want to walk steadily with you. We want to walk steadily with you, I pray. Teach us, teach us, teach us more, Lord. Daily, help us to take the time to sit and listen and pause and, and not be distracted by everything in this world, but to open ourselves up to what you would have to say to us. I want you to just do that right now. We're just going to take a moment in quietness before the Lord. And I want you to realize that, that the Lord wants to give you the same kind of prophetic insight he gave Enoch. He wants to speak to you right now. So, Lord, we just pause. I pray that you would speak to your people. Lord, let us hear your voice. What is it he's saying to you? He, he knows everything about your life and your situation. He will talk to you right now about your life and your situation. What you need guidance for. A decision you're in the process of making. Which choice gives you peace?
Holy Spirit will lead you to peace. Holy Spirit, speak to us. What's the Holy Spirit saying to us today? What's the Holy Spirit saying specifically to you today? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Even as you talk to Enoch, you can talk to us. He might talk to you about the people in your life, those, those relationships you have that are close to you, or maybe those casual relationships. He told Enoch about them, and he told Enoch what to say to them. He can give you words to say. How to, how to share your faith and how to share your love. How to walk in such a way that others will be drawn to your walk. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you might be just being drawn to the Lord right now. Have you ever really experienced His love? Have you ever really experienced His forgiveness? Do you know that the Lord has washed you clean and forgiven you of every sin. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand together. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I just want you to begin to come. Just begin to respond. If the Lord is speaking to you something, I just want you to come Kneel at these altars and surrender to that which the Lord is speaking to your heart and life. Just commit what he's speaking to you, to him. And maybe some of you today are being drawn to the Lord for the very first time. You're being pulled to the Lord for the very first time. You just come down here and you say, Lord, I, I accept your grace. I accept your forgiveness. Teach me how to walk with you. There's others, you've been, you've been walking with the Lord for a while, but you feel pulled. You feel pulled and drawn and called towards a closer walk. Maybe you've heard these stories before, but you've thought to walk like Enoch and Elijah and Peter and Paul, that, that's out of reach. It's not out of reach. They're given to us as examples for us. We've got the examples of Cain, what to avoid, Lamech, what to avoid, Enoch, how to walk with God. So just come, just come. The Lord's speaking to you. The Lord's given you words of prophetic insight into situations and circumstances that you're facing or the folks around you are facing. I just want you to come and submit it to the Lord. Some of you are being drawn to a closer walk with the Lord and some of you might be being drawn to just offer your life to the Lord for the very first time. Say, Lord, take my life. Forgive me of my sin. Just come. Just come. Prayer team members, begin to come. Begin to come and pray with folks that are coming. Let's surrender ourselves to the Lord. Don't hesitate to come if the Holy Spirit's moving on your life. If there's a tug, if there's a tug from the Holy Spirit, don't worry about what anybody else thinks. We rejoice. We rejoice when people respond. We rejoice when people come and say, Lord, I want, I want my life to be what you want it to be. I surrender my life to you, Lord. Some more prayer team members and leaders, come. Come and just pray with these that are coming today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. There might still be others. You need to come. You need to just present yourself before the Lord. Say, Lord, take me. Lead me. Guide me. Direct me. Maybe you haven't felt him speak out word to you yet, but, but you want to just come and say, Lord, do you have a word for me? Do you have a word of direction for me? Do you have a word of knowledge for me? The Holy Spirit lives inside you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to give you supernatural guidance. Thank you, Lord. He wants to give you insight into his word. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
let me go.
our desire today is that you would cause us to be more like you, a little bit more each and every day, Lord. Lord, help us to walk with you. Help us to come to you in repentance. Help us to come to you, Lord, in sorrow for our failures. Help us to come to you, Lord, desiring to do better, to receive your forgiveness, to receive your strength, to receive your wisdom and your guidance, Lord. Shape us into your image, God. Let us yield to you and surrender to you that we might truly, Lord, be more like you. More like you, Lord. Help us to walk steadily with you in holiness, in faith, in prophetic insight. Continue, Lord, the work that you began here today. Continue it in us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Bless one another. Give blessings to one another before you go today. Those joining us for Next Steps will be starting in the Fellowship Hall next door just very, very soon. So God bless you, each one.